0: You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
1: Morning, Welcome to the World Radio Football Show, 107.9 FM. I think I say that different every time I come on air. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Mick. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah.
0: Good yeah. morning, Penny. Morning, Penny. Morning, Dave. We're morning up. to all the listeners.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, you can catch us on streaming or on the au webpage button click live or you can go to our podcast if you miss any part of the show on the worldfootballprogram.com.au. We're here till 12 today talking football. We've got guests lined up with Football West, Jamie Harnwell the CEO, WA Sports Minister Dave Templeman, Australian historian Greg Werner, and there's a lot of other things in his portfolio too. Mm-hmm. Author, webmaster, and I'm sure there's a few other things we'll chat to Greg About and Perth Soccer Club President Jason Morocchi swing a sledgehammer today. So we'll find out what that's about.
0: Knock, knocking things down and building things up.
1: What men like to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> there is one thing, though, Penny, I just seem to realise that um, the season's finished. There's no more football. Oh, no,
1: there's Wrong. football this, there's, no. there's football football this football. weekend. Yeah, I know. Football
0: everywhere. Oh, and yeah. It keeps on going. It never you know? stops. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. that's what we should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> All ages. All abilities as well. All abilities, exactly, very well said.
1: Yeah. Yeah I'm, yep. I'm getting all the invites come through for the presentation nights the club presentation nights yep. the team presentations the association presentations I'm thinking that the, the, the football's actually still <laughs> happening but uh, it doesn't actually ever stop I think now a big thank you to all of our partners and sponsors <coughs> especially Futsal WA Greg Farrell is a great supporter of our program and I'm not actually sure where he is at the moment he's been travelling mm. across Australia He's in America
2: last or was it Spain America? maybe or- they won the World Cup or something. Did he see? He beat USA one 0 A ladies' thing. Oh, brilliant!
1: Yeah. I, th- I thought that was in Spain, but that might have been on the way to somewhere else. Oh, okay. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get him on the show in the next few weeks and <coughs> tell us all about his adventures. And Oswest fencing and wrought iron in regards to customised steel and aluminium fencing and gates and gate and fence hardware WA. If you want to do things yourself materials, components, hardware and automation systems. So if you want to support any of our supporters, Futsal WA for great 5 side competitions, Oswest Fencing and Road Iron and Gating Fence Hardware WA. And if you want to support us, you can get in contact with the Radio Fremantle office during the week and become a member. It's Pretty cheap, it's uh, under 50 bucks and that just helps us keep on air because we do this just because we love doing it. We're all volunteers and we're passionate. Which
3: absolutely. you'll find out in the next two hours. Yeah,
1: You will, absolutely. So, Mick, new to the program, new to the studio, give us a little bit of a wrap about uh, what Mick's all about.
2: Um, All abilities, football. Basically, Penny, you know, making sure football is available for all, young and old, disabled, non-disabled, you know, just carrying that mantra, football for all. I've just recently started with Football Futures Foundation as well as Inclusion Solutions, so...
1: Kicked yeah. off by Nick Tanner at some
2: point in the last days yeah. months or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we just really got to now kick on and put our money where our mouth is, you know, and make sure football is available for all, Dave, you know. Yeah,
0: like that's, kids, that's very know. important.
2: Yeah, there's a blind football league, which Jason may know about because Perth is sort of one of the main teams behind that. Right. Yeah. So we want to try and get that kicked off. We just need more competitors to take part. So there's a real push on to try and grow the blind football um, and then we're just we're trying to sort of amalgamate all the inclusive football programmes under one umbrella sort of thing so your um, United Reds your equal footing ball your Paras your blind football and just you know Streamline it also. there's like a pathway for the kids coming out of United Reds, they can go and play equal football. Nice, yeah.
1: and maybe an access point for people who want to find out about it. They yeah, can go to a place, and then there's all these, yeah, different so yeah. Branches, they're not so.
2: like all dotted all over the place, it's just being controlled yeah. by Football Futures and Football West. Yeah, that's good. And we've actually come up with some nifty names, what we may call it, like the I League or something <laughs> like that. You know, nice. we've got the A League, we've got the W League, yeah. So that's one that Chris Barty threw out there because he's. Involved as well with it, so yeah, you know, it is exciting times, I think. For
0: yeah, I, I was at um, at Durian Gardens last weekend, uh, the playoffs, uh, UWA against Shamrock, Caramel Shamrock, and uh, UW nicked it in the end. But, um, at halftime, they had the blind football, yeah, yeah. Situation. Were you actually there? I wasn't there then, oh. but I know Ken and Ben, yeah, I yeah. think I am. Um,
2: I think I had something on with the United Reds that day, Dave. I wanted to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I just couldn't.
0: No, it it, it was interesting. It's um, you know, you see the kids or adults. Yeah, they, they manage to kick the ball, and that is something fantastic for them. You know. Yeah, and you can see the. She she has joy. Well, it's a Paralympic
2: sport, Dave, as well. So, like, if you watch some of the footage on YouTube, it's amazing, you know, the skills these guys have got. And it's also not just for the players, but for the coaches. Yeah. Because it is such a, like, the coach, the players reliance on his coach, giving him instructions, you know what I mean? So, it's a great way for coaches to improve, you know, maybe... How to get their message across to players, you know? Because sometimes players don't point. listen, to
0: they? Yeah, that's a point. With blind football, about that.
2: they've got to. Yeah,
1: when um, we, we talked to uh, someone from blind football uh, earlier on this year, when the
2: ben, Mar- ben role, yeah,
1: maybe it was. I, I can't remember. We had Miranda Templeman in the studio, who's a young Matilda goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, not at all related to the Dave <coughs> Templeman. No, uh, no. Yeah. no. Um, but definitely related to the Nick Templeman who's done our um, World Football website. Man, there's a lot of Templemans in that conversation, wasn't there? (laughs) And thanks very much, Nick. We should call you a partner and a sponsor of the World Football Show as well. But my point being that um, uh, the inclusion part of of football, blind football, um, is gradually... uh, you know, moving outwards into the football environment where we're all uh, accepting that, that there's, this is all part of football yeah. and um, it's just something that we'll talk about in conversation, yeah. like men's and women's football, mm. I think, and, mm. um is men's and women's football. And, and it's, it's good because yeah. it's giving it um, access to resources, it's giving it um, a profile, it's helping other people become involved in it and yeah. I, I'm really loving that. Yeah,
2: mm. no, it's, great. it's yeah. great. Yeah,
1: it is. It's good, good, good. Um, we are going to go to break and we'll come back and chat more football, of course. Our guest after the break will be Jamie Harnwell. This is Penn and Mick and Dave. I'm going to have to get used to that every break now. We'll be back very shortly.
4: <laughs> hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors, the fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and laymen welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station
3: sponsor.
0: For football's sake.
5: For the sake of our registered players. There's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game.
6: For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues.
4: For the sake of our
1: visitors from Asia and beyond, whose cultures are woven through football.
5: For the sake of Perth glory, the state's A-League team, which aims to inspire the next generation.
1: For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful, who are steeped in the most popular sport
4: on the planet.
6: Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake,
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. Our guest right now is Jamie Harnwell, Football West CEO. Everywhere you go, Jamie, you zoom up the charts. Good job. <laughs> Football <laughs> and now administration, you. you've got to the top of everywhere you've ever played. Well done, mate.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at it like that before, so thank you. Yeah. That's a good way of uh, looking
1: at it. <laughs> we were talking earlier about football never ending and uh, the awards nights, uh, presentation nights are already kicking in. I think Perth Soccer Club had theirs last night and I know our club's coming up in the next couple of weeks with Mum FC, um, referees nights coming up and so forth. But football's still being played, Jamie.
5: Yeah, of course it is. Uh, it never stops. Uh, it used to be, a, I think, a six or seven month sport, but now it's certainly 12 months. We've got our uh, belt top uh, cup finals for our amateur metro competitions. We had our two Masters Finals last night, uh, and also the Hyundai Women's uh, Metro Cup this weekend. We just finished Country Week yesterday with uh, around a thousand players from regional WA competing at Kings Bay Reserve, and some fantastic weather. A little bit warm for some of those from our southern uh, southern regions, but uh, there, there's plenty coming up, and, and still some uh, some off-season competitions. Our Kick It World Cup. Uh, there's ongoing skills programs, the kick Kickoff programs for kids. So. We uh, want to try and make sure that if you want to kick a ball any time of year, then uh, then you're able to do so.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. The, the mantra is out there. So how does that work with uh, football West? So they just rotating staff. You put in your your breaks at some particular point, and someone else will be there to just jump into that space.
5: Yeah, we've um, you know we've had to work pretty hard over the last uh, 12 months or so. It's obviously been a challenge with. the uh, the environment uh, and the, the labour market as well as every industry is finding, but we've got a great group of, uh, of staff. they put a, a lot of hours in, so some will be having some uh, much-needed time in loop uh, early next week to recharge the batteries. And as you said, some will be uh, following in as well. Um got to mention we've got a couple of teams over in Borneo uh, for the next week as well competing in a tournament up there. So, yeah, it's, it's still all go uh, and will be for a couple of months yet.
1: Yes, yeah, so the outside of WA, touring has started over championships over east, uh, the junior teams and up to Borneo, like you said. It's been a while coming outside of uh, Australia.
5: It has, and I suppose we you know, we were very fortunate over a period of uh, a couple of years that we could virtually do uh, and live our life as normal uh, within Western Australia. But given our, our isolation, it's also a bit of a, a curse as well, and when you're talking you know, for younger players, talent development, talent identification, testing yourself against different teams and players—that was a challenge uh, for us over a couple of years. So to be able to restart, um, just recently had the boys and girls national youth champs, the the paras, uh, the CP championships, I should say, uh, as well. We've got the girls NTC challenge coming up this week, uh, as well as those overseas trips, both to Borneo and Singapore later this year. So it's, it's just such a great opportunity to for players to to travel, to be in a football environment, to make new friends um, and to experience everything that this great game has to offer.
1: The challenge game last week between WA and Perth Glory uh, was a success on some fronts. because Perth Glory, they showed that they're professional and they should have won that game. They were pretty smooth and seamless about it and that's the way it should be. But it was good to see our WA players from the local leagues have the opportunity to step up, be identified and, and play against a professional team. Is there going to be a women's version of that?
5: Uh, look, we're certainly keen for that. The challenge with the, the women's league is that the, the A-League women's competition starts later uh, and every week we move away from our NPL Season finishing makes it more and more difficult for our MPL uh, players to to stay fit, to step up and, and play. Um, there's also the added complexity that a lot of those players that do come out of our MPL are already are in the Perth Glory squad, and so um, it challenges that, that sort of state team depth. So we, we have been in discussions. We haven't had anything locked away yet, but that's certainly something we are we are keen on, um, and also exploring both for men and women for our state teams developing the program further and trying to, to lock in some overseas tournaments, tours, um, to really bring back some um, some pride and tradition to what is a pretty long history of, uh, of WA state team football.
1: Yes. Out of the national championships that, that have just wrapped up over East, there's players that were identified in, I don't know if you call them all-star squads or by the national coaches that have been around. What happens to those players that have been identified from here?
5: Um, so they'll be uh, kept track of either through um, Perth Glory or, or our programs for, for the boys and through the NCC program. For the girls, um, the main thing, obviously, is, that, is their invitation into the, uh, into some of the training camps for those uh, underpinning national teams. So they're, thankfully, another thing that's restarted now that all the borders are back open. So really pleased for those, um, those players that identified you know, especially pleased the young issue. Uh, for the girls, NYC, uh, in the under-16s, I think she's only 13 or 14 as well. So hopefully a very, very bright future in the game. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to catch a few of the girls' games over there and, and just really impressed with how they, they went about things, the, what the football they try to play. And, they, you know, all the teams that travel should be extremely proud of themselves.
1: And I think because Dave and I both in Mum FC, we're going to be biased and say that there was a handful of Mum FC players in those fourteen and 16 squads and they did okay.
5: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to recognise the underpinning clubs as well and and where they come from. I think um, clubs should be extremely proud of of developing those players and and giving them a pathway along to the next level. So um, across both boys and girls, it's something to to aspire to for clubs and to, you know, hopefully produce the next Sam Kerr or Trent Zanesby or whoever it might be. And for a club to have a a small part in that is a a huge success.
1: Mm. Um, How do we do this year in terms of numbers compared to say previous year and previous year before that?
5: Look, we're we're uh, growing again, I think uh, we've ended up around four and a half to 5% growth uh, of uh, participation numbers from last year, um, which was, Again, another fantastic achievement. We try and we compare ourselves sort of back to 2019 and sort of miss 2020 as a bit of an anomaly uh, year and, and don't do that. But again, we're, we're pushing record numbers. Our fastest growing uh, participant group is again, females, um, both senior and juniors, which is great. And well, we expect that trend to continue with the Women's World Cup next year. But we've also then got the, the peculiarity, I suppose, of a, a Men's World Cup in, in November, December at a time when parents are potentially choosing what sport their their child may play next year. So we're hopeful that'll have a really strong and positive impact on our registration numbers for next year, but it's just such a a different time to be holding it that we really don't know.
1: I suppose with your comment earlier about 12 months of football, there's all the other opportunities that parents can make decisions about with their kids too. So if there's no 11-a-side happening over the summer period, there might be five-a-side competition or inclusive football. There's other opportunities out there as well.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and and there's also there'll be the opportunity to capture any expressions of interest um, uh, through centrally through play football. So we're hopeful that we'll see a, a boost not only through that November December period in, in our social programming, but obviously we want to continue to see the game grow. Um, clubs are doing a fantastic job now of, of uh, advertising and marketing themselves as a, not only a sport to play but as a club to be at, um, which is a far cry, I think, from. Ten fifteen 15 years ago where they just stick out the registration sign and just hope people would uh, turn up and come. So it's a, a much more competitive market but our clubs have certainly adapted to the challenge and uh, the game continues to grow.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure there's so many signs being stuck out at all anymore. It's all this online, remote access stuff. That's, uh, yeah, this is uh, very true.
0: Yeah. Um, um, Jamie, you mentioned uh, the Kick It um, tournament. That's from by yourselves, isn't it? It's con- controlled by... Football West.
5: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's our um, you know one of our sanction programs that we run. Um, you know, one of the, the thoughts behind it is obviously when we have our state football centre next year, we need to make sure it's it's fully utilised that there's games going on every weekend, and so uh, it's a, it's a nod towards developing that programming so we can almost operate twenty four seven
0: once we get into the state football centre and really get the best benefit we can out of such a great asset. Yeah, I I was driving and noticed that. Uh, the Spanish club was looking really, really good. And that's where they had it last year. So I'm, I'm just assuming.
1: In North Lake?
0: Yeah. I think it's Dorian Gardens, maybe. Ah, do there's something it? going on in North I Lake see. as well. Because that's, where, that's <laughs> where it was last I year. i tell you,
5: sorry. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I was down at the final last year. I don't know uh, where the venue is. Uh, uh, there's, there's that going on I can't keep track of it, everything but um, yeah well that, I know there's, there's
0: a lot of planning going into it. Hey, that's what you
2: get the big dollars for mate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be crazy if we could get an all ability sort of kick it thing going on because that's one thing um you know I've got from all the united reds parents is what happens now can we play football you know yeah. we got to sort of keep them kids engaged as well. So maybe I need to have a few Chats with some of the guys at Football West and see if we can get that up. Man. Yeah, it's a possible. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Possibility.
5: That's the great thing about our game is that, you know, with very little modification, it's suitable for, for all ability types, yeah. uh, ages, etc. So, walking football, um, our all abilities programmed, it's, um, it's the thing that's pretty unique to our game, so we're very proud of that.
3: Yeah.
1: Jamie, is this a period of reflection after the 11 side season finishes to engage with the members? I seem to remember at some point might have been the end of last year there was a few forums and surveys and things being uh distributed amongst the football committees for feedback on you know, how we were going as a fo- football community is that going to happen this year it seems to be a bit quiet on that regard at this moment
5: yeah, yeah, yeah it certainly is we're um we're working very hard behind the scenes to pull those um those surveys together we're coming towards the end of our strategic plan um which ends at the end of 22. So we're we're working close with Football Australia across the the one football strategy Um, and just waiting for them to to release their overarching strategic plan, which we'll dovetail in um, according to the pillars and the the, the gaps that they've identified and obviously tailor that to our local nuances as well. So we're we're quite conscious that we're letting the season play out. I think everyone's a little bit tired at the moment, a lot of the club (laughs) administrators and volunteers. So... It's always nice just to get a little bit of a breather time in between um, before we start bombarding with questions and surveys and, and the like that uh, that we require that, that feedback, but that'll be absolutely crucial to developing those targets and those plans for the next um, four to five years.
1: Does that involve standing committees? I actually couldn't tell you who's the chair of all of the standing committees because I, I don't know, maybe I'm not in the right space, but I know who the chair of the Women's Standing Committee is, Rob DeCline, and there's a group of people there and they help um, formulate and, and catch feedback and, and move forward uh, with Football West on changing things. But what about uh, NPL and, and other standing committees? Tell us a little bit about how they operate and where they are in this space, Jamie.
5: Yeah, and uh, the standing committees are an important part of, of what we do. Um, they're they're you know, uh, part of our constitution uh, in terms of representing those different areas of the game. They're all, all slightly different, um, obviously, not only in their focus, but, but how they operate, what their composition is. Um, the MPL Standing Committee, for instance, is all of the senior MPL club presidents of, of the men's. Um, Juniors are a range of community and MPL. Uh, similarly, with State League, it's a range of different clubs. So they, they've all got uh, their nuances and, and little ways of working, but they're crucial, not only from an operational point of view, from a you know, month to month, season to season. Uh, and trying to assist us in improving how we uh, govern the game, but also those bigger pieces. So when we talk about the surveys going out, they'll be specifically targeted to some of the standing committees. They'll also be invited to, to our workshops or forums as we move further down the strategic planning process to, to have some further input into to the direction that the game's heading over the next few years.
1: Is the State League Standing Committee men's and women's? Because Phil Kelly is the Ashfield rep who's the chair of that committee, correct?
5: Yes, that's correct. The, the, so the state league is the state league men's standing committee. Um, through discussions a of couple of years ago, um, and especially when the MPL women's was started, that uh, the women's standing committee and the MPL men's standing committee uh, decided that the MPL women would sit under the women's standing committee. Um, so they're still, you know, continually trying to refine, and obviously we've had our senior female uh, competition review as well, which will. Um, be working through with the relevant standing committees and, and the board as well to implement so that may see some further sort of changes across the the uh, coverage that each of those standing committees look at.
1: And the men's NPL, is that Heidi Lazaro?
5: Yes, yes, Heidi's the current chair of that.
1: Okay, I think Heidi must have been the chair for, oh, I can't ever actually remember anyone else being the chair of that.
5: <laughs> it's been a couple of years. it <laughs> a... I do remember a time when Heidi wasn't chair, but she has been, been in the position now for, for a couple of years across. Uh, yeah, probably just after COVID, I would think she would have started or just prior.
3: Yep. OK.
1: And how's the State Football Centre going? Give us an update.
5: Yeah, progressing uh, really well, considering the, um, the current market conditions. Um, we're still expecting a project completion date of uh, early April, which gives us plenty of time before the Women's World Cup. Um, that's obviously continued... Uh, pressure on the on the budget but um, both D L G S E and Department of Finance have been working very hard to to either make sure there's contingency plans to to see that but also um, the state government have been incredibly incredibly supportive um, of it, uh, putting in additional funding where required to make sure that the the facility meets its mark as the you know the home of football here in Western Australia. So the if you've been out past there, the the second floor's gone up, the formwork's being has been done for the grandstand. It's um quite exciting to drive past and and picture what it'll look like on opening day and on big cup final day so we're um counting down the days counting down the weeks there's a a lot of work still to be done both in terms of the building itself but also how it's going to operate and and making sure that we maximize the great potential that the facility has um but uh, some really exciting times moving forward, and i know all of our staff are looking forward to having somewhere that they can call a home
1: I think we all are in the football community. Yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Actually, Mick brought something up earlier, uh, Jamie, about accommodation for visiting teams or people coming in from the country, you know?
5: Yeah, and there's um, on the other side of, of Welshpool Road from the site, there's uh, some vacant land that uh, is looking to be developed, and that's part of our conversations with state government across uh, driving a, a whole of precincts. So it's not just about the state football centre, it's the complementary services such as the accommodation, a medical centre, a futsal centre, um, just things that will make it a hub because we will have visitors from across metro, across regions, um, across Australia and from international travel uh, coming in to, to visit the state football centre. So we want to attract those people but also keep them in that area as long as possible um, and that certainly fits in with the City of Canning and their revitalisation project across that uh, that area as well.
1: That's, That's actually good. really good to hear. There is a lot of land there. It's near my workplace, so I drive past it uh, quite a lot just uh, eyeing it off and thinking, um, <coughs> you know, I wonder why we can't fit this and that and, and whatever in there. But it's, it's good to hear that you've got that in mind. It just might not be part of the project at the moment. It might be a stage two or a stage three, I guess.
5: Yeah, and it's, it's working with you know, the likes of the WA Planning Commission, um, City of Canning. It's Obviously, something that's probably outside of the scope of, of what football west normally operates in, in terms of commercial development. But having a having a voice, having a role at the table um, about what could sit there. You know, the last thing we want to see is a big warehouse or a similar factory going up, uh, which doesn't fit in with what we're trying to achieve at the state football centre. So it's it's building and maintaining those relations, um, and it's it's a it'll be a longer term project, project and progress, and we know that. and in the meantime, just making sure that the state football centre operates as efficiently uh, and as well as possible.
1: Remind us again about how many people the grandstand and the stadium will fit.
5: Yes, yeah, so it's a 700-seater grandstand. Um, there's space around to bump up to around 4,000 spectators for big event days with some temporary infrastructure on the far side. Um, it's obviously not built for uh, major, uh, major you know, Perth Glory games or the like. It's, it's very strict. Stadium hierarchy in terms of office, then HBF Park, and then ourselves as, a, as a, uh, probably a third venue across that. But certainly, um, you know, for, for Cup Finals, Top Fours, Night Series, um, we'll speak to Perth Glory about their opportunity to utilise facilities across some either friendly games, Australia Cup, A League Women's Games, and the like. So it, um, it should really be a hub. It's got uh, high performance rooms in terms of strength and conditioning, it's got ice baths, so it sort of caters to the need for, for everyone from the the most professional participant down to somebody who just wants to have a kick around in our five-a-side competition on a, on a Wednesday or Tuesday night. Mm.
1: Before we let you go as CEO of football West, what do you feel personally has been the biggest achievement in football this year?
5: Um, I think every year I look back and I think, well, we've got the season underway. We've got it completed. Um, majority of people are, are happy and there's always instances where there's systems failure or, or human error and the like, but, um, it is such a massive undertaking to you know, over 40,000 registered participants. Um, I think we calculated something like a 1,000 games in the metro area every week um, that we govern and, and control and, and allocate referees and the like. So I'm you know, every year extremely proud of, of how uh, well the team do to, to manage all the obstacles that are thrown at them and the challenges that they face with teams pulling out late or wanting to come into, into there. So that, that's always a big one. Um, and just the way that the the team continue to interact with the with the general public, with the clubs, they're, they're, they're positive, professional. Um, again, we don't always get everything right, but um, they always do it with the you know by being courteous and professional and, and showing respect. And as a CEO, I think that's that's all you can ask for of your staff. And, and extremely pleased to, to lead such a, a fantastic bunch of people. Uh,
0: Jamie, um, j- just a a last one before I let you go. Um, any news on the junior NPL league sizes and the amount of teams in it and all those different things that we've discussed previous?
5: Yeah, um, so the, the, the junior NPL is, is as is for season 2023. There's been no recommendations or changes from Football Australia in that regard. Um, Football Australia have brought out their club licensing framework, which is, encompasses NPL, so we we'll work with those clubs to... To put that into place, and uh, and obviously with Ernie Merrick starting as chief football officer of Football Australia, he'll have some ideas on how he wants to see junior football and junior development uh, come into place. And and we'd we'll be looking to work with Ernie to to bring in whatever those changes may be into season 2024.
0: 20, okay, so it's uh, as is for 23, but hopefully changes in 24, and hopefully changes yeah. for the good.
5: Yeah, well, and that's it. It's, it's not making changes for changes' sake by any means, it's uh, making sure that, that all clubs get the opportunity to lift what they do um, and not necessarily by the the technical quality of the players but the coaching they provide the support to the, to the uh, coaches and management, the environment uh, and club environment they provide so I'm very keen to, to make sure that all clubs are able to to do that and improve themselves and um, what that looks like in the MPL or, or the top level of junior football then we'll continue to, to work towards and and make that the best we can be. I suppose noting in mind that I don't think there's a perfect system anywhere in the, anywhere in the world, and you always get criticism of, uh, yeah, of those sort of things. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to work with Football Australia and implement that, that vision that they want for, for junior development.
1: Thanks, Jamie. Informative. Thank you for sharing all of that news, and uh, I hope you get a break somewhere, and uh, <laughs> someone else uh, can uh, you know, take the baton while you're having that break and football goes oh. on as normal.
5: Oh, I've got uh, the Bunbury Carnival coming up next weekend, so the CEO duty hat will be completely off and I'll just be down there as a parent and, um, and relaxing, so I'm looking forward to that.
1: Good one. All right. Thanks so much for joining Good us, morning, Jamie. Jamie.
2: Thanks, Thanks,
5: Jamie. guys.
2: See ya. See ya.
1: That was CEO of Football West, Jamie Harnwell. does seem to ride to the top wherever he travels, doesn't it? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Good job. So a bit of disappointment I registered there, Dave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just uh, – I've talked to him with us for – a while now, and uh, there's other people. You're talk a bit to me. of a conduit, are you Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few people talk to me about it. Saying yeah, it's all, uh, it's badly managed. It shouldn't be the way it is, and it, you know, there's a whole host of different ways that, that it can work.
1: Is it um, <clears throat> maybe the standing committee that should receive that information so that they can take it to Football West when they sit down over the table?
0: Um. That's a difficult one.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because it's a junior one. NPL and not senior NPL? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Is there a junior NPL standing committee? See, I don't actually know who all of the standing committees are. I, um, yeah, I know you know, the top end competitions yeah. there yeah. are, but there must be junior standing committees. There must be like a referee standing committee or something. Yeah, there
0: is a junior standing committee and it's John. I can't remember this last Okay. Name.
1: We'll have to do some research on that, I reckon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they'd be
1: very interesting people to talk to, like uh, outside of the Football West infrastructure. What feedback they get from the football community on you know what's going on and what changes might need to be, and what the information exchange between Football West and and those standing committees are.
0: Yeah, mm. but you've got to remember that NPL is run by Football Australia, or yes, uh, and and yeah. not not by the and uh, not by Football West. No, certainly. so so all junior football except. NPL is or all football okay. except NPL
2: is run locally. But they have different models depending on what state you're in don't they? Like, yeah, correct. I was speaking to a couple yeah. of guys, football Victorian guys and they seem to have a good model. I can't recall exactly how to do it but it, it sounded really good what yeah. they do over there.
0: I can't remember if it's um, New South Wales or Victoria that have a, a like Division 1, 2 and 3 junior NPL. Yeah. So... Is it worth having a junior league if you're if you're doing that? Uh, So what do you you think? There's too many teams in the NPL. Uh, Well, there's too much disparity between the top rank and the bottom rank. It really is. Some clubs, NPL clubs that can't uh, produce, uh, yeah,
1: NPO, HPL teams,
0: teams, yeah, Yeah. Um, age appropriate teams. And the other thing that uh, sort of worries clubs like us. Who are not an NPL club themselves, yeah. but we've we, we're in the top division of the 12, 13, 15th 15, 16s. After the breakaway at at uh, you know halfway, the break off into the the group section. So
1: you're talking specifically men's football because we no, are an NPL junior. women's club. Junior. Yeah. So junior. N- junior
0: NPL. I'm talking about junior and, NPL.
1: And boys, because there's no junior NPL in girls. Not
2: yet. Yeah. To Medoc NPL junior? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. okay.
1: yeah. um, see,
2: I, I don't keep track of NPL. I'm just in to all abilities. You yeah, know, so. yeah, yeah. Guys, we are going
1: to go <coughs> to a break because we've got to get David Templeman on the phone. So we'll come back and chat more football, maybe that, a little bit later in the show. This is the World Football Program, back shortly. Some people can't hide their passion. Don't hide yours.
5: Join our team.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and laymen welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station Sponsor
3: Cristiano Ronaldo
2: Wayne Rooney,
5: better on. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia.
1: We're back, go away Pete. Come back again another day. And he is the ultimate wingman. He's a good guy to have in the studio. Great voice, full of lots of information and statistics. But in the studio this week is myself, Penny and Dave and Mick. And we have David Templeman, who is the WA Sports Minister on the line. Good morning,
7: David. Uh, good morning, Penny, Dave. Yeah. Mick. It's great to join you.
3: Morning.
1: Thank you very much. And it's a beautiful weekend. Uh, winter has uh, duly passed, I think.
7: Yeah, yeah. I tell you what it's uh, it's great to be in the uh season of spring and uh heading to heading to summer but beautiful day down here in Mantra too yeah indeed
1: and we haven't quite finished the football season up here what's happening down that way do you get out and about on a weekend and spy all the things that are happening in the sports community dave
7: uh, I, my, my daughter plays a number of sports including netball uh footy and a few other things so we we've uh just wrapped up most of the seasons for that but uh The young fellas, my young fellas, the two of them are looking at doing um, football uh, uh, in the new season, so that's exciting. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays are very busy for lots of parents uh, and families supporting uh, kids uh, in community sport. And gee, I tell you what, there's a lot of activity and a lot of growth in community sport throughout Western Australia. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, yep, absolutely. We've been pretty privileged in the last few years. I I think our government's done a, a fine job of keeping us safe and protected and uh that's that's meant i think that we've been able to grow our sports in comfort give us a little bit of a wrap of of what's happening in sport over the last year this football season so to speak dave is uh, well, sport
7: looking healthy look i am I'm, I'm pretty uh, pleased with how things are traveling yeah uh, sport participation is just going uh, gangbusters in 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 a lot of codes but in football in particular we've got a great growth being seen in both the female and male uh, sport participation which I'm really pleased about and I think it's, there's a couple of reasons for that I think, uh, you know, we've got the the World FIFA, FIFA uh, World Cup women's game coming up uh, there's been some uh, great uh, festival of footy events in Perth uh, in July um, where we had some Premier League teams playing and we've also got some exciting uh, infrastructure work, of course, going underway now with the football, the state football centre, which uh, I think all goes well for the game in terms of uh, cementing it as a game of growth uh, and a game of excitement. And I talk to a lot of parents, Penny, and uh, um, and one of the things that they do talk about in terms of uh, the round ball game is that they 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 uh, appreciate the skill level that's uh, that's developed as kids start and then move through the um, the age ranks. Uh, and it's a great family sport. And I think that's one of the things that I keep reminding myself of in terms of being Minister for Sport is sport is a great enabler. It brings people together. It brings families together. and It mean, means that people can get out there. They can either watch or they can play themselves. And, uh, and I think that all goes well for the, uh, the round ball game particularly.
1: Can you please tell all the people who make all the decisions about what goes on to television that and keep telling them that? Because we'd like to see more soccer not just footy, because some people confuse the footy and football part with AFL, and we're soccer. Yeah. So can you please tell all your buddies about that so that we can get more profile?
3: <laughs>
7: please. Yeah, look, I will. Look, I will. And look, I, I think um, it's incumbent upon all of us to continue to promote the real positive aspects of the game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think uh, AFL has some major challenges going forward because uh, there is concerns around issues around, uh, you know, the concussion issue, uh, safety uh, um, and I think that is playing on the minds of lots of parents and that's why the round ball game uh, football is I think much more attractive to be honest with you. Uh, and so I think the uh, football needs to take advantage of that. The other thing is we're going to have a state football center. I think that's going to be uh, a real uh, a flag in the in the sand about uh, football. it's going to say, hey we actually believe in this game we actually support the game we're going to have a a major infrastructure that will be opened early next year. And that helps, too, to sort of uh, uh, combat the sort of pro, you know, the the, the pro AFL sort of side of things. But the other thing is um, people are out and about all the time playing the game in parks, uh, on on pitches. And uh, the more visual, the more visible they are, the better. And as we build towards the FIFA Women's World Cup next year, I think it'll be incumbent upon all of us to make sure that people are, one, aware that the that magnificent uh, event's are taking place in Perth, and two, that we get along and support it and, and celebrate in the festiv- festivities that are around, Dave, having a major world title there.
1: Dave, we were just spe- speaking with the Football West CEO, Jamie Harmwell about the State Football Centre, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will have their... Uh, question marks about why Perth Glory didn't team up with the State Football Centre because um, I don't know if you have the the background there, but Perth Glory are going to be uh, lodging at the Macedonia ground, which is uh, Stirling Macedonia Football Club, so a little bit of an upgrade happening there so that we can get some home games as quick as possible here. Um, But uh, the State Football Centre will house about 4,000 people uh, as per Jamie's conversation with us, which will... Hand, it's like a little boutique stadium so it'd be it maybe a training center kind of uh placed for the women's world cup maybe some finals here and there um uh, but i'm not quite sure it'll house perth glory and twenty thousand people it's going to have to be a serious upgrade so you know, what do we got on the table to help perth glory find their own place eventually dave uh,
7: look i i have a i have a lot of time for perth glory and we've we've been working with them they, they, were, they were faced with some very difficult challenges given that we, the upgrades to the uh, Venues West uh, facilities, of course, interrupted and, and, and impeded their season this year. So we've worked with them to get the uh, the um, work out, uh, uh, for the grounds out of Stirling up, upgraded. And that'll be great for the Stirling team, of course, because that means that uh, that facility will be upgraded. Uh, look, I think the, the story of where Glory ultimately needs to be is going to be one that will come after we open the state football centre. Uh, I want to see a very, very successful glory going forward because I think that is part of the story of the whole success of football more generally in Western Australia. Uh, and make sure that we build a strong community level as well, right through the layers. Because if we have that, uh, then I think the round ball game is going to be uh, one of the most popular codes going forward and uh, we need to maximise every opportunity and I'll work with uh, Glory and I'll work with the, uh, with the uh, Football West of course uh, in making sure that the game is um, is front and centre in terms of our thinking and our and our budgeting for infrastructure.
1: When you say Perth Glory, working in the community, are you talking about them aligning with the community club until they get their own home ground or, or do you mean that they're successful on the pitch?
7: Uh, I think you know they've got to be successful on the pitch, obviously, because that uh, that uh, helps the, the broader story. But look, I I'm not I don't. Uh, one of the good things about being minister of the sport and having only had the job for a, coming up to nine ten months is I'm open to lots of conversations. I'm not I don't come at this with a a sort of a, a a you know a narrow view of things. I think we have got a lot of conversations to have to make sure that glory succeeds and all of the other uh, layers of Football succeed along with that, and what that looks like ultimately, I reckon, will become much clearer as we as we get through this coming season. The football, the state football centre opens, uh, and then we uh, we've got a clear picture going forward after the FIFA World Cup.
1: Okay, can can I just put in 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 a little bit of a hard line here from me? Is that we've been talking about this on this show for I don't know how many years in poor Perth glory. I uh, mean, they've been thrown to the wolves at the moment, and uh, so are the members on their behalf, because we won't all be able to get into Stirling Macedonia ground. So, there's a, a few unhappy chappies out there. But we also want a club that's successful, is in the media, is well supported, is like the, the the top end of all of the participation that you and and I and everyone's been talking about for many years now. Is that we are the number one sport in Australia? But how how is it that we're getting seen that way? perth glory need to be successful on, on the grass as well but we also need to have a home we need to have good membership we need to be out there you're on the training you see a perth glory jumper rather than a dockers jumper sorry dockers um, and all those kind of things that you know say that our sport is actually doing okay at the top end not just underneath Dave I
7: oh, um, don't, don't disagree with you, penny and look you know what you do in terms of commitment for me is I, I do genuinely love the game um, uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I don't, um, I've got a couple of sports that are particularly, you know, appealing to me, not only just because I'm a dad of four kids.
1: And if you come back on the show again, you theater. better keep saying Perth Glory is your number one thing, dude, all right?
7: Hey, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Penny, you've, you've sent me a challenge and I think it's very achievable. Don't you worry about that. Okay. But look, we, look, we have, we have, we, we have, there's exciting times. One of the things I think we've got to do in terms of the, the, the FIFA World Cup, for example, is we've got to really leverage that. Uh, and, and make sure that people are not only aware of the that we're going to have world-class players here in, in Perth, uh, but we get along and see them. And we also build around that a festival sort of atmosphere. And it's one of the things I want to talk to even my culture and arts side of uh, uh, the portfolios that I hold about what how do we make this a real festival event so that we, we genuinely deliver a high-quality experience for people going along and seeing uh, football at, at its world best in the women's game.
2: Hi, Dave. This is Mick. From, um, I'm from Football Futures and Inclusion Solutions. So my mantra is uh, football for all. So I'm more about football for people with disability, like adults and kids. So one thing um, Football Australia I've mentioned is they're trying to bring uh, the agency Cerebral Palsy Championships over to Victoria. And we would love to get um, a state national Cerebral Palsy Championships here in Perth. I've just recently returned from the Gold Coast where WA got the bronze medal. But um, we'd love to have a conversation with you about sort of maybe hosting that. What do you think? That's something WA could do? Uh, look, uh,
7: uh, all abilities is, is an area of great interest because I think, uh, a game about expanding participation, meaning that anybody uh, who loves the game should have a chance to, to play it. Uh, very interested in that. Look, we we, um, we really genuinely believe that there is an opportunity for Western Australia to... Host a whole range of uh, uh, you know high class events, a number of them world class, uh, and uh, also um, promote participation. So very happy to have a chat to you about that, mate. Online,
2: yeah, that's great, Dave.
1: Yeah, excellent. Um, now, Dave, we did talk about upgrades of facilities, impending Women's World Cup. Uh, how are we going across the metro area, and where are the places that the World Cup is
7: going to land? So we've got to... I'm very pleased because I was out at Dolly Gardens only a few weeks ago because that's going to be one of our um, uh, training uh, training places, of course. So uh, $400,000 uh, upgrade there, including 200000 from the state uh, matching funds from uh, the Perth uh, Soccer Club, which is fantastic. So that'll see those, uh, those uh, upgrades um, to the change rooms, to the uh, umpires' rooms, to the... Um, Dugouts will be be, um, rebuilt. Uh, Enhancing the whole uh, uh, aspect of that particular area. Obviously, there's the uh, ongoing upgrades to the uh, venues west and, and of course, the State Football Centre will be completed. I was out at the State Football Centre, I think I said to you, I may have said to you uh, only a few weeks ago, and they've already laid the uh, irrigation and the uh, seeding commences in the coming weeks and the... Uh, actual uh, ground slab and the main building are um, now well and truly underway. With the first floor being um, being uh, commenced now, so that's tracking well. Uh, and of course, um, uh, the um, uh, um, the other uh, enhancements to some of the venues, western uh, places will will be in in, uh, in concluded in readiness for um, uh, the uh, ambassador who will come along. Uh, the official World Cup ambassador who will be I think in Perth later on this year to just check that everything's going smoothly. So I'm I'm confident everything's moving along well in readiness for uh, a magnificent event next year.
1: So we're going to have a FIFA ambassador visit
7: before the end yeah, of Madam the year. Yeah, Fat, Madam Fatima. Madam Fatima is uh, a FIFA FIFA ambassador. She she was in in uh, Western Australia earlier this year. I met with her. She's magnificent. She's a great, great, great person. We had a great time. In fact, we I think we laughed more than we. During our meeting about a whole range of things, she was fantastic. She was very excited about Perth. She'd been to a number all of the venues, and now when she comes back uh, later this year, she'll be uh, make uh, she'll be getting an update on on the preparation of our tra- both our training facilities, the State Football Centre, of course, as well, and uh, and uh, um, assess uh, how we're going. But as I say, everything's tracking uh, pretty well, and I'm I'm pretty confident that everything's uh, going well for uh, being in, in uh, for her to be well. I'm well truly pleased when she visit
1: to you later this year so post-election a lot of promises were uh, splashed about to upgrade our 18th century facilities that we've been playing in since the 18th century here
2: have it and play a name every week yeah <laughs> <laughs> i
1: know i know yeah so uh dave that the sport is getting bigger and that means that the demand on grass and the requirement for resources to service the people who want to play it is also growing. Tell us about that and how it's going to be met.
7: Uh, look, this is, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, I mean, this is a great problem to have, but I'll tell you what it is, certainly a, a serious issue to, to deal with. Uh, participation, when you're seeing grounds, uh, when you're seeing 15%, 20% increases in participation, both at junior and, and a mid-level uh, ranks uh, in both the men's and women's games, that means that there's uh, increased pressure on pitches uh, and facilities that support those pitches. And look, um, where uh, I've got the department assessing the existing infrastructure and uh, also the community-level infrastructure, uh, because we are basically going to have to find more more pitches, more places and spaces going forward uh, to cater for the growth and the demand. Now, I think we need to look at uh, a whole range of things, and I've uh, asked the education department, for example to look at what facilities they have that are not being used or underutilised uh, at a community sport level. Uh, because I think we need to see far more um, community usage of those places and spaces in our uh, expanding suburbs. Uh, but when we build new places, including new schools, my view is very firm on this. Uh, we should be incorporating into the design community you know, community access, uh, and that includes the rectangular you know, game. So. Um, uh, that work continues, and uh, i'll I'm pushing the education department and my department very very heavily as we uh, move towards you know how do we cater for this growth? If we're getting fifteen twenty percent growth, that means that uh, we won't have the capacity to, to for pitches uh, and for spaces and places for the game to uh, to thrive, and we've got to find more.
1: So are you saying fifteen to twenty percent growth overall in Western Australia or the metro area?
7: Oh. It, that look the uh, that the there is growth up to 15 twenty percent in some places around the state uh in the in the round ball code and in other codes. so uh, uh you know indoor there's growth in indoor game uh, indoor games for um, basketball for example that's yes. a huge pressure on those so we've got a uh, we, we've, and we've got infrastructure that's existing we've got to make sure we maximize the use of that but don't you know damage pictures or or have an extreme use of pitches that then sees them them uh, downgrade. Uh, but we've also got to make sure that uh, where the growth areas are, we've got the facilities for them. Because, as you know very well, all of three of you would know very well, capture kids early, capture them early uh, in terms of a love of the game and a love of physical and uh, a physical sport, getting out and having a, having a go, enjoying the game. Uh, capture them early. We know we can uh, we can work hard to keep them. The big dip, of course, as in lots of sports is when kids reach that age of around 14, 15, uh, there tends to be a dip sometimes. I think we've got to work on that to try and find ways where kids can uh, and young people can continue to play the game because it's a beautiful game. And as we know and and we've spoken before about the oldies, as people get older, there's great... uh, Walking uh, football. uh, Walking footy, you know. There's walking football, um, which uh, ensures that people... Who aren't as agile as they might have been in the past can still enjoy the game. And I reckon that's that aspect of the game is is worthy of a further, um, a, a further Exploration.
1: support too. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm a great advocate for that in that adolescent age group of drop off that you were talking about. Um, is it the churn rate where just uh, they don't always get the retention back? Um, yeah. It's, I don't think you're ever going to be able to do anything about that. I, I, my theory on that is that. If you introduce a, a love of something earlier in life, then they'll come back to it when they're ready. So there's always going to be boyfriends and jobs and you know travel. It's just that time in someone's life where they start to explore those things. It, you can't ever stop those things from happening. Too many opportunities. But you can give the love to a human being so that they'll go, oh, wow, this is great. I'll just put it on the back shelf for now they'll come back to it later. And there might be... Um, inclusion football there might be walking football there might be 11 a side or five so whatever it is you just got to explore the opportunities and I think we're doing a great job of doing that now my, my other thing I wanted to say was I want to know if there's a 15 to 20 percent increase in demand and growth where are we going to find green space we might be able to build some more space in new estates and land that's being cleared but how are we going to find it in the metro area to to help that demand? How are we going to address it, Dave? I want some, some one, two and three options from you. Go. Yeah,
7: yeah. look. <laughs> <laughs> I love how tenacious you are. Um, look, um, yeah, look, we've got it again, I think it's about looking at existing spaces that aren't being utilised properly or as well as they should. I honestly believe, school, you know, schools and uh, places uh, that uh, already have existing, um, existing fields but are not used, you know, uh, as regularly as they should, should be... I'm not saying hand over to the community, but quite frankly, they, are, they belong to us all
3: yeah.
7: uh, and they should be ac- accessible. So we're working in the education field uh, side of things with that. So, so there's um, already
1: discussions happening about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've been good. already
7: speaking to, to uh, my colleague, the Minister of Education and also the Director-General. Uh, so we've got to look at what existing facilities are not being utilised properly yeah. or to the extent they could. That's the first thing. Second yeah. thing is we need to see where the growth is occurring. Now, the growth is occurring... Particularly in outer metropolitan uh, and in a new areas, so that means when we're designing new schools or we're having joint use facilities with yeah. councils, that they are very well planned. I mean, I still believe we've got to get in—you know—community sports got to be in there at the planning stage, even for a new school. So that when you're building ovals and spa green spaces, the uh, the planning sh- ensures that there's easy access. I think you should build your ablutions close to the edges of the oval so that they can be mutual use of changing rooms. All of that sort of stuff I think is, I reckon that's pretty basic and that's the stuff we're pursuing as well.
3: Yep. Uh,
7: thirdly though is making sure that the public open space that is allocated to um, to new greenfield suburbs, you know as suburbs expand, that that public open space is not only usable but it's, it's, uh, it's actually going to uh, be well prepared for the demand of future community use for sport. The other thing I think is our lighting program We've got to make sure we've we've got a lighting program through the department. We've got to have uh, that because I think a lot of sport is going to be played in the future under light. Yes. Uh, so we've got to make sure we plan for that as well. Climate change means that, that we're a bit easier in the, the round ball game during the seasons, but the reality is uh, we're going to be playing a lot more at night as well. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we've got the infrastructure for, for lighting those fields and grounds as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the third one. But, Penny, the other thing, because I, I know we've got to finish shortly, but... Yep. You guys highlighted to me that, about a young, um, young uh, Miranda Templeman. Yes. Who, of course, is uh, going gangbusters. Yes. Uh, I know Nick, her dad is probably listening. He contacted me after the game because remember you asked me whether I, yes. whether I knew I was related. Yes. I am. I am. <laughs> cool. Miranda is, Miranda is the granddaughter of a very, very great bloke, the late um, Ian Templeman. He was a, a great bloke in the arts. He, he did amazing things for the arts in, in Australia. Uh, so she's the she's uh, Miranda is the granddaughter of Ian Templeman and the daughter of Nick. I had a chat to Nick. Nick uh, contacted me. That's uh, Miranda's dad. Yep. And we had a good yarn, and it was fantastic <laughs> to find out that I was related to Miranda. Now i again another reason to be excited about uh, and supporting uh, football because uh, I've got a relative now who's doing gangbusters, and I Great reckon job. will be playing for Australia. I reckon in the not too distant future. You
1: can also you're famous.
7: Well, I tell you what, isn't it good? The Templeman name will live on. Yes, <laughs> nice work, Dave. Yeah. I'm very impressed. So thank you for connecting. There you go. Another example of the game connecting families. There you go. It connected me to a uh, to a relative that uh, I didn't know I had, and it's just fantastic. And congratulations to all those uh, to, to uh, Miranda and all those young women who are just doing some fantastic stuff in uh, in, uh, in football for women's football.
1: Dave, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time again, and enjoy the lovely weekend down your way. I
7: will. Always good to join you guys. Thanks so much, and uh, let's make sure this uh, let's make sure football goes gangbusters into the future. Good, good on one. you.
0: Thanks, Absolutely, Dave. Thank you. Bye. Uh, bye bye.
1: David Templeman, WA Sports Minister, joining us from Mandurah. Very. Uh, Political and Mm, diplomatic. I was just
2: going to say, Penny, because I'm involved with Dianella Junior Soccer Club, which is on crown Reserve. There, which is an amazing open space, just beautiful.
1: Country Week is that where they have
2: Country Week? We have had it there for the last few years. It's at um,
1: Kingsway. Kingsway
2: this year, but we can't access it for you know the light lighting, which Dave mentioned there. The lighting's not the best, so you know at Ah. night time, and uh, we're only using like a. A third way, but it's such a brilliant venue, especially okay. for football. Yeah. So there, the, and it's not being used at all for anything.
0: Yeah. It's a long time since I've been up there. Gee, must be about 20 well, years ago. Go up
2: and have a look, David's It's, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. But he also mentioned uh, using the um, school's facilities. Mm.
2: Yeah. We've we, been talking
1: about that for a long time.
0: We've tried to get, they want to charge you. Yeah. I like a thousand bucks a yeah, yeah, it's an afternoon. It's not it? sustainable
1: yeah, at all. Yeah, so I remember having this conversation with uh, Peter Rickers from School Sports and um, Wayne Bazedon. Okay. Uh, over the years, probably 10 years ago, we've had this conversation. Um, and the conversation was there's the school sports stream, there's the club and Australian football stream as well. And they kind of pull from different um, groups and they overlap at times but they kind of bounce off each other but they don't use each other's resources. So it was more of a, like, you know, parallel universe and I feel that this is a parallel universe where... There's a school system and they have these wonderful resources that are not being used after hours, yeah. on weekends, et cetera, that yeah. we would love to access increasingly yeah. because of the demand of the sport. Yeah. And we all play the sport. The school kids play the sport. The schools have, you know, sports programs similar to ours, but they're in this parallel universe. So yeah. it's... You
2: probably find kids at the local club would go to that school as well. So it's... Absolutely.
1: You know, yeah. 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 Yeah, Even, uh, So, uh, you know, the, the lights strategy is a good one, absolutely. Mm. We know that that increases the use of facilities and it becomes hot and yeah. you don't want kids playing when it's hot. So playing in the evening um, when it's cooler or the sun's gone down under lights is is an excellent idea. Yeah. If it overuses the grass, then that has to be managed differently, but that'll come to a point at some time in the future and whether that means there just needs to be a two or three week space in between seasons while they... Maintain the grass, redo the grass. I'd much rather that happen than see synthetic surfaces being used because they are damn hot in summer, yeah. Dave, and you can't have kids yeah. on them. You know, kids are lower to the ground. It's about five to seven degrees hotter in that space, and you just either it has to be it's covered not or nice
2: to play on, Penny. Yeah. to be honest, like slide
0: tackles and Whew. things like that. But
1: yeah. it does allow ah. you to use that space more than grass when yeah. in the middle of winter. There's ducks on the. Yeah.
0: Grass usually, <laughs> <on and> Lenchira, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember it well. But this is the thing about getting grass st- st- stains, for, uh, or strains, marks from sliding tackles. Mm. Well, if you're playing football properly, you shouldn't be doing sliding tackles. Yeah, yeah. On your feet. And you'll get the same problem on a hard pitch and grass. Yeah, I know. I know. Because I've had it many <laughs> times. It's Very different man. on
1: the body. The synthetic surface is absolutely different on the body. It, it is. I mean, you can train for it and you can prepare for it. And I think high-performance teams like NPL teams mm. and state league teams that will play on synthetic surfaces will hopefully have a support group of sports scientists and physios and masses and whatever. So they'll be doing their rolling and their massaging and they'll be making sure the body is prepped properly but if you get a community team playing on it who might train once a week and play on it i reckon that they don't have that support team around them
0: yeah, and to make their body yeah absolutely yeah mm. but different it, management look, it's far far better than it ever was you know i remember playing yeah. back in scotland it was just like a carpet in yeah. concrete it was just terrible you'd want to
1: stay on your feet <laughs> absolutely
0: crazy <Yep. laughs> to be a better player yeah it does
1: Right, we're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course. This is Penn and Mick and Dave on the World Football Program. Come back to you shortly.
7: <coughs> Radio Fremantle wishes to advise that the views and comments aired on this program may not be those expressed by the board and management of 6CCR, Radio Fremantle.
3: We are one, but we are...
1: Oswest Fencing and Royal Tine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security
7: or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM, Radio Fremantle. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and catch the podcast via the wonderful work of Nick Templeman. There's that name again. <laughs> they stretch right across Australia, the Templemans, in very famous places like sports minister positions and young Matilda goalkeeper positions. And our guest on the line right now is Greg <coughs> Werner. And I'll say Australian historian, but I know your portfolio includes much more. Good afternoon, Greg. Uh,
6: good morning, Penny. Good morning, Mick. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Dave.
1: Thanks for joining us. Uh, what is across your plate this weekend? Uh,
6: this weekend I'm going to a wedding, which is going to take me away from the, uh, the Australia Cup uh, final, unfortunately. But that, uh, that's
3: life.
1: Yes, the Australian uh, Cup coming up. It's a, it's a good one, isn't it? Sydney United uh, 58, the Croatian background there. Uh, Non-A-League team playing MacArthur FC, who yeah. were, did I get that right? Last year's champions.
6: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, it seems to, it's one of those games that's, uh, that's galvanised uh, the uh, the football community, um, which is a strange one, you'd think. Uh, the A-League, but... Uh, from my understanding, the uh, Croatian clubs from all around the country have had people flying in to be at this game tonight, and I think they're heading towards a really good, if one-sided crowd. Well,
1: I think this is what the cup is all about, really. I mean, this is what Simon Hill loves about it, and uh, you know, other people love about any kind of cup is it gives everybody the chance to be in this position, and we have, you know, our top A League team playing, and we have a non. A-League team playing. It's just what we want, really.
6: Yep. And it's, it's, uh, it's an NPL team that uh, didn't have the best of NPL season. They finished up, I think, sixth on the, on the table here in Sydney. And it, um, so it just shows you what the, the magic of the cup
3: can do.
1: Absolutely. The magic and the romance. And, of course, uh, Dwight York is now coaching MacArthur FC. There's been some um, pretty amazing names go through Sydney United... Uh, Bozza, Arnold, Jednak, um, Popper, Mil- I don't know how to say his name. Milicic, he, he was a,
6: a sweeper for the
3: Andre Milicic.
1: Yeah, was he the sweeper for the Socceroos? Am I thinking of the right player?
6: No, no, he, he played. He played up top, um, okay. but yeah, he um, he also went on to coach the Matildas, of course, as well.
1: Yes, he did. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was, he was
6: one coach, of those right? guys. He was in the right place at the right time. He just happened to be on the uh, on the payroll of football of Australia when they needed a uh, an inexpensive uh, <laughs> replacement
3: whoa, coach. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
6: yeah. the, the, the bizarre thing, of course, was that you know he he resigned his position uh, or he announced his resignation from the position before he actually completed. His, uh, his role there as, as Matilda's coach, and, uh, and that position, of course, was to go on and coach uh, MacArthur FC in their uh, initial season in the A League.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's the kind of stuff we love to, to chat about, isn't it, really? I mean, all these <laughs> things that football brings together, and we can say our opinions and things. Uh, what do you think about the Subway Socceroos name landing? I, I'm just trying to think of any other nation in the world that has a sponsor in their title of their national team name.
6: Well, I, I'm I'm sure they do have, but let's face it, it's it's. Do you refer to them as the Subway Soccer Roos? <laughs> I know I don't. It's just one of those things that uh, you know that they spent their twelve million dollars and they It's it's like, it's like uh, I guess you know buying the naming rights to a stadium. Um, you know, do do we refer to uh, the ground out at at um, at Homebush as anything other than the Olympic Stadium? No, but it's had you know. Eight or nine different sponsor names since it was uh, since it was built, uh, and most people, for the, uh, uh, I guess, refer to it still as Homebush. Except the Matildas, and we all know what you're talking about. You know, you whack a new sponsor name, and nobody's got any idea what you're talking about.
1: Yes, and we've had a lot of sponsors of the Socceroos and the Matildas over the past ten years. I mean, Hyundai, Qantas, uh, was Westfield. I mean, there's some pretty high end sponsors, yeah. but just Matildas and just Socceroos will do it. In fact, just Australian national team will do it, as far as I'm concerned. And I wish we get back to wearing our bloody Australian flag colours, whatever they're going to be one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my bit. <laughs> yeah, I
6: agree, agree entirely. But i I, I was at the um, I was at the centenary function up prior to the uh, the first of the New Zealand games, and the they had the head honcho from Subway up there speaking at the dinner and. Um, He basically chucked his speech in the bin uh, because he'd been listening to uh, all the the preamble from from others around the room and how they'd been talking about being part of the Socceroos family. And he just, in the end, said, we at Subway are just happy to be part of the family now, the extended family. So it it was really good. I mean, James Johnson and and all the other... um, bodies from the, from the FA kept referring to them as the uh, as you know the subway Socceroos and what have you but you know we're on the ground they're just the Socceroos or the Australian national team yeah. and always will be
1: yes yes let's talk about 100 years of Socceroos. there's been the special mentions list come out and there was the fan selected squad of 100 years Socceroos Heading Arnold, Postacoglu and Rasik in the coaching team. Pretty awesome. And a lot of the players that come out in that fan-selected list were from our generation right now. It's pretty amazing considering we're talking about 100 years of Socceroos. Mm. Mm. So some of the names include McNabb, Ryan, Swartzer, Tipperfield, Marston, Moore, Neil, Tobin, Vidmar, Wilson, Brescia... Emerton, Jednak, Kuhl, Moy, he's an amazing midfielder. Warren, Aloisi, Cahill, Date, Kashina, Kashima, Cosmina, Masters, Quill, and I don't know who Quill is, sorry, and Jukes, Faduca. Okay,
6: um, let, me, let, let, me, let, let me feed you a little bit on Artie Quill. Okay. Um, Artie Quill was a guy from Sydney who moved to Newcastle uh, when he was young played most of his football uh, with the uh, Walls End Club in Newcastle, is the highest goal scorer in, uh, in club football in New South Wales in its history and had probably the deadliest striking partner uh, in the history of football in Australia uh, with... Uh, partnership, I should say, not partner, with um, with Reg Date. So they dominated uh, the um, the goal scoring lists mm-hmm. Through the late 40s and um, and early 50s, uh, and and Artie Quill was, as I write in my um, forthcoming book, the uh, the velvet to Reg Date's hammer.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, you know, they were just from, and this is from people who actually saw them play, played with them, and or against them, said they were just extraordinary to um, to be around in terms of their their skills. And uh, and their power—they're just yeah, they're so incredible could, to watch. We it could do with
1: a partnership like that in the soccer is right now. Then,
6: oh yes, absolutely. I could also do with a uh, and an, 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 a bonnie and a Bartz would be nice. I was really disappointed to see Ray Bartz miss out, but that's the um, that's the uh, the nature of you know, public voting. If you don't vote, you uh, <laughs> you can't complain.
1: Yes, and the people that are voting now, of course, are. Looking at a lot of the players that I said were in our generation, they're, well, they're in this generation voting for players that they are aware of. So you'd expect a, a heavy bias towards the players they're familiar with. In the special mentions list is uh, Frank Arik, Scheinflog, uh, Stanis Reedus, Popovic, uh, Paul Wade, Charlie Yankos, Ned Zelic. Very nice. We yeah, well,
6: you'll also notice that in the in the squad of the century, there are five names there with asterisks um, put against them, and they were the players selected by the panel of historians to, you know, bring some semblance of balance to uh, to a full uh, team that represents the entire history of the Socceroos.
1: As in balance, as in historical balance?
6: As in historical balance, yeah, yeah. Um it's interesting. I had somebody pop something up during the week saying, "Who on earth is Judy Masters?" And I just popped back and said, "Well, do a little homework." Um, <laughs> he was our he was our second second captain. He uh, didn't go on the 1922 tour for uh, for financial reasons, and he's basically a legend of the game. We uh, we name the interstate trophy between New South Wales and Queensland uh, after him, uh, and from everything that you read, he was just an extraordinary footballer, and um, these are the things that you know. If you don't know your history, you, you, you're not going to have any idea of how these people sit in the in the firmament of Australian football.
1: Greg, we've so got... the, the
6: historians brought that that little bit of balance into things.
1: Greg, we've got um, Mick Owens in the studio, and Mick has actually. Uh, I'm thinking about history, Mick, and I'm thinking you're part of football which is inclusive football mm. is very young yeah so, the, we, I can't would really, say so. we can't yeah. really say there's a history about it no,
2: yet well i think uh, david cantoni was one of the like he founded the cp football which is i think about 13 years ago i'm not sure on on the east coast how long they've been going for but yeah
1: do you know anything about that greg
2: although i do can i just add that we had one guy recently play for wa miggy marcellino and he played for the australian padaroos at the Sydney and the Barcelona Paralympics. So, Miggy played with WA recently at the age of 51. It's an amazing milestone for him. I think it's probably his first competitive game.
1: Is it an open-age team?
2: Yeah, it is, 14 onwards, yeah. Wow. So, we had a 14-year-old Corbyn who came through the United Reds, so that was awesome for him. And, um, yeah, Miggy. so, I know, 96, I think, the Barcelona Olympics was, so they've had football in the Paralympics, at least since then. I'm not sure going beyond that. Hmm. But, yeah, we had we had some really great milestones at the last um, championships there. Miggy, as I said, won. Corbin coming to the United Reds, a 14-year-old. We had another young fella who'd been diagnosed with brain cancer two years, died twice on the operating theatre. And that was his first competitive game of football. So, you know, it just shows you it's not just about reaching a top level. It's a great way of rehabilitating people, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, there was a few tears after that game because, um, you know, he was really sort of proud. and.
1: There's some good stories yeah, in there. Yeah,
2: some great stories. We didn't win, which we were hoping to win, but like, the, like I said, the guy breaking his collarbone on the first day didn't help. But it's them milestones and them victories that you sort of you focus on, you know. So, yeah, Greg. Uh,
1: maybe in one of your future books, there'll be um, different parts of football connecting all the history together.
6: Yeah, there's 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 a lot of history outside of the mainstream football that that basically gets no coverage. What a uh, touch on um, indoor football, which everybody associates with futsal, yes.
3: uh,
6: which sort of came into into Australia in the. 70s and became futsal in the 80s, whereas in fact there was uh, indoor football being played in Australia, in Tasmania of all places, in the 1940s.
2: Too cold to play outside. What's that? Too cold to play
3: outside.
6: (laughs) And it was set up at a a woolen mill in in northern Tasmania by by an English company that that set the mill up and that, that had obviously been used to having it played uh, in the uk and they had a rec hall there and they set up a competition in um uh, in launceston for for their uh, their staff members and for anybody interested from outside the company so the the game has actually been played yeah a lot longer in in all sorts of areas than we you know might otherwise know yeah. so yes i think you're dead right it, it's an area of the game that that definitely needs more um, more light shine upon it
1: yeah, I think that'll happen. I think we're talking about it more and more. I know we're talking about it more and more um, here on this radio show, and having more guests uh, like Mick involved to share information, and uh, Adam Nankin from Inclusion Solutions, mm-hmm. and you know, Football Futures Foundation bringing things together, and yeah. Football for All, and so forth. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just uh, bringing more parts of the community together. I like that. It's.
3: Uh, I'm
2: panicking and just say that the Parma Tilders are currently number one in the world. So you can you know, indeed. And uh, so that's uh, where we really need to grow the game with the uh, with young girls with cerebral palsy and brain injury or neurological sort of things going on. Because um, if with the Olympics being in Brisbane, I think is it or in 28 or yep. I'm not sure when. Yep. Something like that. But hopefully CP 32. F-
0: 32. 32. Yeah. That's
2: 32. That's right. So hopefully CP football will be in there, and if the Matildas are still. Going as number one or the Parma, so they're going to be up for a gold medal, you know. Nice. So we've really got to grow that area. Yes. Well, keep talking about it on the yeah. radio show. Yeah. Mm.
6: The, well, the, the competition, the competition between sports is heating up dramatically. Yeah. Everybody wants a piece of uh, the the sporting infrastructure and, and dollars that are available to uh, to push a, a, a particular sport or a or even a new sport. Or when they're no, there. Are, there are, there are new sports popping up all the time for um, for the disability sector.
1: And it's not just about different sports, Greg. It's about different factions within the same sport. So it might be walking football and 11-a-side or 5-a-side and 11-a-side. I know here in Perth that there's uh, players that have transitioned from AFL Uh, to AFL from soccer, but there's also a lot of players that have transitioned out of 11-a-side football into 5-a-side football because the competitions there are becoming more elite and they're playing through the season and the quality is very good and there's opportunities to play overseas. Mm. So there's um, kind of a friendly kind of competition um, between different factions (coughs) of the same sport, Greg? Yes, yeah, it's all interesting. All yeah,
0: interesting gives us more to talk about, which is what we love on the radio. <laughs> there, there is uh, something that came up out of uh, my home, or was my home country, uh, is... Um,
2: can, post- I- can I just quickly say so, Dave? Did you know that Scotland's CP team are currently playing in a, a World Cup at the moment? And uh, I think they're ranked one of the favourites to win
0: it. Yeah, I actually saw something on telly just the other day here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But th- this was uh, a post-season uh, tournament that they had mixed m- male and female football players and the, 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 the lady football players were playing in their own positions on the pitch and matching, you know, some were in goal, some were playing centre-forward and the, the, the balance the teams out with mixed football And obviously They've got the right facilities They're all high-end players High-end players, yeah play, Players playing maybe uh, First or second division Scottish football But yeah. still Interesting Yeah, and You know, being able to see Whoa, wait a minute This girl's a different style of player But she she can do the job, you know Yeah. And you think There's a lot of old guys Well, so you think they may be a mixed league well, Eventually, it's inclusion, isn't it? It's uh, maybe Interesting. It's, maybe it's showtime.
1: Did you see that on YouTube, or was no. it a live something that you
0: no, it uh, was a friend of mine from Scotland that told me about Okay. And he's involved with
1: it. Now I'm curious. I'm going to do a bit of research on the that. Girl,
0: the girls game is
2: getting massive now in England. They're oh, the quality recently, is fantastic. But yeah, um the North d- London derby, there was 50,000 people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And You're then there was 30,000 at the Merseyside derby. Yeah. So we can't
1: even get there watching Perth Glory. <laughs> Come on.
2: Uh, wait, wait a minute. He said England. <laughs> sorry. Here. Sorry, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, is it is it growing in Scotland oh, as well? Oh, it's massive. It? I mean,
0: all the teams are in there now. There's Glasgow City's got a team. Okay. Plus Rangers and Celtic.
2: Well, there was a team nearly came out called uh, City of Liverpool because, you know, to get away from the Everton Liverpool buyers, and, yeah. and they, they were playing in purple. So they started off in like the non league teams. Yeah. Okay. I, don't know how they, I don't know how they're cracking, but <coughs> to keep everyone happy, they played in purple, which is sort of between blue and red.
1: There's, there's a running theme, isn't there? Yeah. Dockers, Perth Glory. Now, Greg, the Socceroos, let's talk about how they're travelling into the World Cup, which is coming up in November. And I don't know if we're playing any more friendlies, but no. our first game is on the 23rd of November, playing France, Tunisia and Denmark. We, wh- why That's did you guys... So why, what was that look on your faces? Both <laughs> of you at the same time. Seriously. So what do you think, Greg? How are we shaping up for World Cup domination? Um,
6: well, I think the the <laughs> domination. Uh, yeah, who's going to do the dominating? Um, but the, the first game against New Zealand showed, if if nothing else, that the status quo is simply not good enough.
1: Yeah.
6: That we have to do a little bit of thinking outside the box if we're going to make an impact in um, in December and November. Yeah. Uh, that's where people like your Garan Qual and your uh, your Cummings come into things. I bill. And and Awan well, he he's part of the status quo really. Uh yes he had a great game, but that's probably the best game he's played for Australia since he uh, since he first uh was first capped. Um so yeah, the the, the status quo, which is where well, I'm I'm glad
3: um, a fresh pair of eyes have been brought in in the, the form of Gus hitting,
6: mm. uh that, um, yeah, Arnie might start to actually thinking outside the box and thinking along the lines that uh, many of the people who are watching the team and who are commentating on the team are thinking rather than from, you know, his personal perspective. I think there are some, some changes that need to be made, whether he will make them or not. That's, that's the big question. But he did say that, he had about 16 spots that were pretty much written stone, uh, and I think we saw them in that first game, uh, which left 10 players fighting. Uh, t- sorry, 10 spots open for the the uh, the remaining players who uh, who got on the pitch over in New Zealand. Uh, and if that's the case, then I think we're in trouble. Do we? Because if. Do we if we if the side that went out in that first game is the way he is thinking as being his uh, his first choice 11 12 13 or 14 then um, yeah we've um, we've got problems
1: yeah that's right they speak for themselves that was just that's not going to cut it so no. but is that going to keep his job is that where th- that w- direction would be heading I'll keep my job and it'll get us to a certain level that'll qualify us for blah 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 or is it we just break all barriers and we put in some you know outside of the box players that might just change things and then who knows what happens we might do worse we might do better but it, that's okay
6: yeah I, the, the way they look at it is that it doesn't matter what's happened in qualifying it's the tournament itself is uh, its own uh, entity. So he wants us to forget what has happened in the past, over the last 18 months, and just to concentrate on what's um, on what's going to be coming up. And let's face it, the players aren't going to change that much in terms of their abilities to get us past the likes of uh, France and Denmark. Uh, so <laughs> why not just, Throw caution to the wind.
1: Co- correct. There's only mean, two, what's
6: he got to lose?
1: There's only two things that'll change that. The, the coaching style drastically changed to bring something else out of the players or other players will come into that squad to change it. There's, there's nothing else that can change it. And if we don't have the players that will bring us the success, then he's got to change the coaching style. Can Gus Hitting help with that? I, I don't know the answer to this.
6: No, I don't think anybody does. But... As I said, I'm I'm happy to have a fresh set of eyes there to provide uh, some experience and uh, an obviously respected voice to to uh, things, so that maybe you know, maybe there is some change in the way uh, Arnie coaches in the wind. But you know we won't know until December because there are no more uh, warm-up matches. That's it. We are done. The next time Australia play will be against France.
1: Yeah, and we'll all be sitting down to watch regardless because we're all you know huge soccer fans. Mm. Yeah. What do you reckon, Mick?
2: I don't think they've got a chance, to be honest. Not in that group. you know. I think they'd struggle Very to tough. maybe even beat Tunisia, to be, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. But they're not the only ones. England aren't looking too much good either, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: th- Music w- to Dave's ears.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> How much time do they have after the, the game's stop in all over the world before the actual start playing a week a week one week wow
6: so one week got well, one it might be it might be eight days but yeah, it's pretty much wow. uh only enough time to get into camp get settled Gee. uh if you if you manage to organize a you know a friendly you know a couple of days before your first pool game then uh, well and good, but it's going to be uh, you know you're going to be running the risk of of injury in that short period of time that it's uh, not going to be you know given any time to heal. So yes, no nobody that I know of is uh, is running a uh, is running a friendly in that week.
0: No, yeah. and uh, the, the the temperatures are just so high, and humidity is so high. I mean, I've I've worked in Dubai, so I know how bad it can be, mm. and um, you know are the training facilities as flashes the I would stadium say so i would like to think so yeah, yeah. i think they will be yeah
6: oh monitored. but I, I doubt very much that the the training facilities will be uh, will be air conditioned like the stadium
0: oh you don't think so no no, no. really okay Whew. so that, that that's what i mean that's you've got to prepare people for um, well,
6: Arnie, Arnie said that he, he is going to be reliant upon his players going back to their clubs and coming back to this tournament fitter than they have ever been. Yeah. It's not something that he can he can put into like a normal World Cup where you have a three-week camp before going in. Yeah. It's, everything has to be done at club level. It's so wow.
1: crazy. Mm. Greg, we are going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your banter and information and I hope that the lovely weather continues for you over there so you can get out and enjoy
6: it. <laughs> Well, we might get another couple of hours, who knows?
1: Yeah, yes, make the most of it while you can. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Penny. Good
2: great. on you. Thanks, See, Greg. Ya. See, ya. Yep. See ya. See you.
1: See you go. Bye-bye. That was Greg Werner, historian, author, all-round, person who has lots
0: of football he's, knowledge. He's up to speed with his football knowledge, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he he he's got
1: Australia uh, Before the A-League is a Facebook page that he posts a lot of history and things onto. Okay. Yeah, he's hmm. got a pretty good... Uh, following to it, we're going to have a break and come back and have a chat to Jason Maruki, the Perth Soccer Club President. What's happening down at Dorian Gardens? Stay with us. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station Sponsor
5: Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi, I'm Peter Skeela. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
4: Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading Futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Mick and Dave in the studio with you until... Noon today, our guest right now is Jason Marocchi, the Perth Soccer Club President. Good morning, Jason.
8: Morning, Jason. Morning, Jason. Good morning, Penny, Dave and Mick. Hope uh, hope you're all well.
1: We are fine and fit, ready to rock and roll in lots of conversation. What's happening down there at the club?
8: Uh, Well, Penny, um, at the moment, um, we've got a few of our volunteers uh, uh, swinging sledgehammers and um, on the the jackhammers as we... uh, um start our um, our renovation uh of our um, of our main change rooms um as we um sort of gear up for uh, next year's women's world cup um Gardens has been fortunate's been uh, selected by FIfa to be one of the um one of the two training um, uh, venues uh here in perth um, for the um for the five games that um that will host uh next year and um thanks to some um uh, government grants uh from the um state and um and federal uh, government so uh, we are uh, we're doing some upgrades at the ground um in uh, in preparation for that uh, uh for that tournament next year which um is going to be the biggest party that um, perth will host uh next year and um you know we're very, uh, very happy and, and proud uh, that we're going to play a small part in that um, that festival of festival of football next year.
1: We talked to the sports minister, WA sports minister David Templeman, earlier on the program. and He was saying um, there's quite a bit of money being put into the upgrade and the about four hundred thousand dollars or so. Um, do you yes. know what um, teams are going to be using the venue?
8: Well, we don't um, as of yet, Penny, because um, we're still waiting on the um, on the draw. So my understanding is the draw takes place um, uh, late um, late October, um, and then once um, once we know um, how the team's been drawn drawn in the lots uh, in the uh, different groups, um, we'll, we will know the five games that are that are occurring in Perth. And um, my understanding is. Um, if, if there's a game in perth say on a on a Sunday, and and, and let's just pick two two teams the USA and uh, and England um in, in preparation for that game um they will probably fly in two three days uh, uh, before the game one team will prepare um for that game at our venue so it might be England and then you know the other team USA will use the uh, the state football center uh, to prepare So... We're still waiting on the um, on the draw, but um, I think um, you know in, a, in probably three or four weeks' time we'll, we'll have a better understanding of, as to uh, which teams may be, uh, may be using our venue next year.
1: So most people are on the understanding that the Matildas are not going to be playing here in Perth but are not sure which teams will be playing here in Perth. You've said you won't know which five games are going to be here, but it's a particular group, isn't it? So we know there'll be some teams yeah. from that particular group.
8: Yeah, my understanding is um, i have a bit of a look through the fixtures. Um, so, you know, it's, at the minute it's uh, C2 versus C3 or whatever it might be. Um, so I think there will be one team that actually plays two games uh, in Perth, um, the way that um, the fixture is... Uh, Uh, scheduled at at the moment but the actual teams uh, which teams will play here um, I think we'll find out um, uh, later this month
1: It's pretty exciting isn't it? What are you actually doing with your sledgehammers down there? Like what's actually being changed and improved?
8: Yeah so it's going to be awesome Penny Like as I said this is going to be the the, the biggest event um, in Perth next year and um, um, the works are, are, are just part of it for us, so um, I, I'm not sure. Last time you um, sort of walked into our main change rooms, but they're quite um, the, 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 the bathrooms um, of, of the of the main change rooms are, are quite archaic. Um, so I'm I'm happy to inform, particularly all our female players, that we've just ripped out the um, the urinals, so they're, they're gone. Um,
3: Excellent,
8: and. Um, uh, we they'll become gender neutral um gender neutral uh, uh bathrooms in in the change rooms so um yeah uh, cubicles for, for for the toilets um uh petitioning in the um in the showers as well um so we'll have more toilets more showers um and it's just a better uh friendlier environment for for everyone um not only um the um you know the the, the professional athletes uh, in, in next year's World Cup but the, the, the beauty about this uh, this money and, and the, the grant from the um from the state and federal government is that um, there's a legacy um, for all the uh, all the um the girls that play at um, at, at perth soccer club and and, and visiting uh, teams as well because um, you know we're, we're doing the home and uh, and the visitors chamber and so um, you know the whole football community will benefit particularly those that are coming to Doran Gardens to to play again, will we'll benefit from these um, from these works.
1: Yeah, that, that that's what we want to hear. We want to hear that there's a legacy post World Cup, like anything that's being um, upgraded and um, changed. That it's not just for one event; it's for the whole community to benefit yeah. from. I wonder how that's going to work yeah. with Qatar. Like uh, the World Cup is happening there, they say they're going to pull down stuff and send it away. Like these, uh, what do they call them? Removable stadiums, or yeah, they want
8: to send some stuff to uh, to Doran Gardens. Um, <laughs> you know, we'd be, uh, we'd, be uh, we'd be opened a bit of uh, you know air conditioned yeah. stadium or, or something <laughs> like that. Um, absolutely, but look, in, in all seriousness, um, some of the other works that we are we are doing, um, we are um, are getting some new goals. Um, you know, FIFA have uh, sort of said ours look a little old, so we'll uh, we'll get a. Uh, a set of, um, of of new goals at each end. Uh, we're fixing up um, uh, some fencing around the venue. So those of you that have been the Doran Gardens uh, uh, lately would see the fencing on the on the Italian Club side a little um, uh, in, in, in poor condition. So um, we uh, we're improving that. Um, uh, the old dugouts, the old brick dugouts that um, look like they're about to fall over, we're knocking them down, and we will. Uh, replacement with some, some new dugouts um, the um, the players race as you walk out onto the ground so come July August where we've had you know we get some real bad weather that that sort of stretch of the ground usually floods and um, uh, it's, it's muddy and the like so we're, we're putting a, a strip drain at, at, at the front of that um, uh, players race. A uh, bit of, uh, I guess, uh, astroturf as well to make the um, uh, make the walk onto the ground uh, much uh, much cleaner, um, and some netting on the um, on the Lawley Street side uh, behind the goals, similar to what the, the netting that we've got um, um, next to uh, uh, on the um, the Dorian Apartments side. So. Um, you know, our um, volunteers will be very happy to hear that. Because, Save a few tricks uh, every time, over the wall, yep. Every time a, a misguided shot uh, goes over the wall, you know, someone's got to run after and uh, make sure no-one nicks the ball. So um, just some general improvements as well. But the key one, really, is, is, is the change rooms, and um, we're really, uh, really happy that we could um, uh, make that upgrade um, and, and make that a lasting legacy for our one. Um, for our female players in particular.
1: Jason, is the other training venue Sorrento?
8: No, the other training venue is the State Football Centre. And um, then there are a number of clubs. Um, I can't... Uh, I think, I think Sorrento's one of one, them.
2: One. Macedonia? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Okay.
8: Yep. So th- those clubs go into a... Um, those clubs uh, go into the, uh, to the mix to become a base for a um, for a team um, during the tournament. So um, those, those grounds um, go into a brochure with um, others around Australia and, and New Zealand. And, you know, if the United States says we want to be based out of Macedonia Park um, because we think that's a, a good venue and it suits, you know, where we're playing our fixtures and the like, and then they will go and base themselves there for... You know, three to four weeks, or or whatever it um, whatever it might be. So, um, you know, those other venues are um, potential bases or, or base camps uh, during the tournament, um, and then ours our ground will be a a specific uh, training venue in the in the lead up to a uh, to a match day. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we're into a... Um Doing a huge upgrade, and I must get someone from Sorrento on because I, I thought it was something to do with the Women's World Cup that they uh, are doing all the upgrades for. Maybe it's aligning yep. to the calendar for the World Cup, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I
8: suppose once yeah, they would have done it too. Um, th- those um, those upgrades would have helped them get in the uh, in the brochure to um, you know, be, potentially be based for um, for one of the um, one of the World Cup teams.
1: Yep, and uh, so I don't because things aren't happening until they announce the draw, which is later this month. There's lots of suppositions, of course. But um, games that are likely to be holding... Sorry, venues that are likely to be holding the matches, um, in my head, I just have Optus Stadium keeps popping up because it's the perfect purpose-built stadium here in Perth to hold up to 70,000. I can't remember what the capacity of
8: Optus is. um, Yeah, HBF Park or whatever it's called these days is... is the stadium where the games we played, and the um, the government's doing a significant upra- upgrade there now. Which um, is that's why Gloria Perth does uh, can't uh, yeah. play there.
3: Yeah.
8: Um, so that's where the um, that's where the games will be, and um, mm. you know, I know our local council, um, the City of Incent, is very excited about that. I mean, the, the City of Incent's going to be the um, uh, the home of the World Cup um, in, in Perth um, next year. You know, our venue as a training venue. HBF Park as the, um, as, as, as the, uh, match day venue. And, um, so we're, um, we'll be working with it, with the council to probably in the lead up, uh, do some promotional activities and, and, you know, we're, we're looking at holding a, a, a mini world cup with, um, school kids and the like and get everyone excited about, um, having, um, you know, one of the biggest tournaments, um, you know, Perth has ever seen, uh, in, in our in our own backyard,
1: you talked about the uh, Dorian Gardens apartments behind one of the nets. There mm. is is that apartment attached to the club? Is like part of the property or asset of the club?
8: No, no, okay. it's um, uh, was was developed by a uh, private developer who was a member of our club, and 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 you know that's now been sold to various um, uh, various uh, homeowners, including. Um, our club captain uh, Jordan DeLeo, who um, um, he oh, was very handy uh, having um, you know his house uh, or, or his apartment.
3: Uh, I uh, just
8: walked the train. Through, through the gate last mm-hmm. night after a uh, uh, a very um, you know entertaining um, presentation night. So um, I think he was uh, uh, quite happy. That it was only a very short walk home.
1: Yeah, yeah. The reason I was asking was just because that we talked to uh jamie humwell earlier about the state football center and accommodation for touring teams that just uh, not talking about the world cup but just uh, the ability yeah. to have people come and stay if they're coming from over east or from asia which is what we did pre-covid of course um yeah. just that, that ability to host teams there and then mick was talking about inclusion in and yeah. para football as yeah. well yeah um, yeah, so I thought maybe Doreen Garden had a, a special accommodation place stashed that they were going to open up for the World Cup and encourage people to stay there as well.
8: Yeah, no, no the, oh, uh, the apartments are uh, privately owned. Yeah, okay all have
2: right. to keep looking.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, well, all these things happening now, um, out of the three-year COVID period that, that we've been in, I'm sure there'll be, well, that 15 to 20% of increase in participation is going to need to start accommodating touring teams into mm. Perth as well
3: mm. Absolutely, it's good for the
1: sport mm. absolutely so you had your presentation night last night tell us about it
8: yeah it was some fantastic night I think we had uh, pretty close to 250 people uh, up in the club rooms um, we had our, um, uh, our men's uh, women's and our um, amateur slash social program um, um, participants all up there and yeah it was wonderful Wonderful evening, uh, and um, we had a uh, had a really good time. So uh, it was fantastic, as always.
1: Yeah. Yep, a nice splashy place to have it. Uh, not many clubs have a premises like yours that you can certainly um, yeah hire and use and cater for it. So it's a yeah, good job for the club there. You've had a pretty pretty successful season on on the park too. The women's NPL comes second to Red Stars. A um, couple of players in the top goal-scoring list there with Jamie Duncanson and uh, Abby Meekins in the top five. Um, and second-top goal-scorer for the men in uh, Sinclair with 15 goals for the season.
8: Yeah, look, um, it's, been, it's been a great year for the, um, for the club. Um, so um, you mentioned a, a few players there. So Sony Sinclair took out our, our men's fairest and best um, last evening. Uh, which I don't think would have been a, a surprise to uh, to too many people. And um, Abbey Meekins um, was the fairest and best for our um, for our women's team, and very well deserved. And um, Abby scores a lot of goals, and, and not many of them are uh, a tap in So they're usually yeah, quite stunning strikes from um, from you know 20, 30, 40 uh, yards out. So um, uh, it was fantastic to uh, to see Abbey. Uh, uh, take our um, one, best uh, in, in the women's um, in the women's program. But look, overall, it's been a um, a great season for the for the club. Um, I think if we talked to a lot of people in our men's program, they'd probably um, at, at league level probably underperformed there. Um, although there were some um, just, um mitigating circumstances, we had a lot of uh, a lot of player movement, obviously through the off. Off season, and um, you know, COVID didn't help at the start of the season as well. I think we, after eight rounds or, or so, we probably only played two or three, three games, and we were having games cancelled on a on a Saturday, sort of left, right, and centre. So that was, um, you know, it, it'd been a challenging season, and, and we'd probably expect a bit of improve, or a fair bit of improvement um, to our men's um, senior team uh, next year. Uh, but um, as you said, the the, um, the women's team
3: um, finished second to Red Star. You know, I, I watched a lot of the
8: battles with Red Star during the year. I think we were the one team that um, really took it to um, to Red Star this year. Who, who were an exceptional, an exceptional side who, who obviously took out um, uh, everything. So um, our, our girls will. Uh, I think uh, learned a lot from, from this season, and um, you know they'll be pretty motivated to um, uh, go one better um, uh, next season. Uh, but four of our five senior teams across men's and, and, and women's uh, they all made the top uh, the top four. Our junior MPL um, four junior MPL teams um, all made the top um, the top division. Um, you even go to our one um, our um, social program. Um, our Metro Premier team, uh, went through the season undefeated and, and, and were the champions and they were probably, um, um, the best performers on the dance floor last night. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, Metro Premiers, uh, they, uh, they had a very, very enjoyable evening and, um, it was fantastic to, um, to see. And then, um, you know, the, um, collaboration we have with, um, UWA Netherlands as well, um. You know, it, um, that, that's a fantastic uh, uh, partnership, and um, we're really, really pleased that um, we were we able to um, assist uh, UWA Nedlands uh, in um, you know providing some coaching staff there and and loaning uh, some of our players. And um, you know, full credit to uh, Basil Lenzo and, and Paddy Strano. Um, for going to UWA Netherlands um, in the middle of the season and and completing the Great Escape last weekend um, by um, keeping um, keeping the um, the club up in State League One and um, Jason, can you just gonna... explain
1: that to me? Because I wasn't aware of that situation, and I had a few people ask me about that. What um, yeah. what does the collaboration in,
6: involve?
8: So we have a um, we have a I guess. Uh, a, what you call a partnership agreement or a memorandum of understanding with UWA and Netherlands, where we will, uh, you know, um, provide them with some um, some players, uh, and we collaborate uh, at junior uh, junior level as well, uh, and also um, we'll we'll explore opportunities through the um, through the women's program. But look, in a in a nutshell, what it is is we've got. Um, a lot of good young players at our club and um, many of them uh, probably not um, going to get, um, you know, league opportunities for a, a season um, and they can either sit in our under-20s or even our under eighteen, or um, they can actually go and play. Like I like always did this year, play men's football in a situation, you know, as it stood this year, was in a, in a ding-dong relegation battle um, um, against, against men. And, um,
1: is that something you know, that yeah. other clubs do as well? It's not just particular to Perth Soccer Club, is it?
8: Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the arrangements that other clubs are, but certainly if you look across the world, and, and particularly Europe, um, there are many collaborations between you know, teams in, in the top tier and um, um, you know, tiers, uh, tiers below. And um, it obviously helps UWA because they get some, you know, good young players in their um, in their team, and it helps us because, uh, uh, for example, I don't, I don't like sing- singling players out, but um, I will on this occasion. Our, our, our goalkeeper, seventeen-year-old uh, Rocco Liberti, um, he um, was our under eighteen goalkeeper, and um, he ended up. Um, Playing the back end of the season with UWA in the first team, so playing against real quality sides, you know, Kingsway and Western Knights and the, and the like, and he is he is growing as a player, um, extraordinarily Well, like I, I saw him last week in the uh, in the playoff against uh, Karamar Shamrock, and he was absolutely outstanding. And, and people were saying to me, who's this goalkeeper," you know. So like. Um, the, the development opportunity for a player like Rocco. Um, you know, no, no disrespect to the under-18s, but um, um, it is—it's—it's it's a tier or two down from you know state league division one football uh, league. And um, if uh, this is where the collaboration benefits us and 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 also UWA, if we can send a player of of that kind of quality. Um, who gets better football uh, development playing there? Gotcha. Well, then it's win-win for
1: for everybody. So I understand that. I, I remember Dave Beckham doing something similar <laughs> when he was <laughs> <laughs> not quite at Dave Beckham stage.
2: Can I just ask Jason because um, I know Peter being heavily involved with the blind football is. Um, yeah. Have we got any plans like to? I know football futures are, are getting on board now. Like uh, that's yeah. going to be carrying on next year, isn't it? And we really yeah, need to absolutely. progress that and help Ben and Ken to get that up and going.
8: Ab- ab- absolutely. So we are um, we're really proud of um, our yeah. um, our blind football team here at, at Perth Soccer Club. Um, the uh, the guys and girls come here um, uh, usually on a on a Sunday morning, and, and we provide the venue for them. Um, we were able to get a sponsor this year as well for APM, and and they've kitted them out in um, you know, Perth Soccer Club. Um, uh, uh, training shirts and the like, and they have really become members of our of our club, yeah, um, which is fantastic. Uh, they come up here and use our venue for um, social functions and uh, presentation nights and the like. Um, it was great that Football West um, um, allowed them to um, uh, do a, uh, a, a demonstration at halftime of the um, one of the Football West um, Top Four Cup Finals. Um, so they, they really, the, the the players really enjoyed that. Yeah. So,
2: uh, well, look, I we, hope, we, and I know they enjoyed with Aston Villa when they came up to Dorian Gardens yeah. as well. That was a great morning. Yeah.
8: They did, Gosh. Absolutely. So we, we're Gosh. really proud of that program. We want it to um, continue and grow. And um, we've spoken to Football Futures and we understand that they're trying to get a league yeah. up and running. And, and yeah. Perth Soccer Club wants to be in that league, uh, participating as, um, as Perth Soccer Club and, and supporting the... Um, the wonderful players that uh, um, you know we've had uh, here at Dying Gardens over the last 12, um, 12 months.
1: Jason, I've got to call it there because the next program is due to start very soon but I appreciate your time and your effort with the sledgehammer today. I hope everything goes according to plan and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll check in again and see how things are going.
8: Good stuff. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Mick. Yeah. Enjoy. Problem,
2: Thanks, good on you, Jason.
1: Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.
1: That was Jason Morocchi, President of Perth Soccer Club. Guys, we've got to call it a wrap with Lennon Baggs' groove coming up next. Mick, Dave, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks, Penny.
1: Awesome talking football with you. The team are in again next week from 10 o'clock. This is Penn, Dave and Mick signing out for this week.
0: Good night and good day.